Hey, it's Charlie. Thanks for listening to the Encouragers United podcast. podcast listeners. Happy New Year. Well, here we are. I so appreciate that you're listening today because I want to kick off a new transformative journey through the book of Proverbs. There's a lot of wisdom and insight in this classic Old Testament book. And in this episode, we're going to launch this inspiring sermon series, delving into this gathering of sayings from the book of Proverbs. I want you to join me as we uncover practical guidance for navigating life's ups and downs, the twists and turns of trying to live a holy life. Whether you're seeking clarity, purpose, or just a fresh perspective on something in your life, this series I hope will help you. I want you to tune in, I want you to soak up the wisdom. Let's navigate life in a community, learning from each other, So it all starts in this first chapter. Let's navigate it together. Enjoy. But the lack of wisdom is destroying people's lives today. Marriages are destroyed, friendships are lost, and souls are doomed because they lack wisdom. They lack understanding. And as we study back in Ephesians, you'll remember this from chapter 5 perhaps, Paul implores us to live wisely. That was uh, chapter 5, verses 15 and following. It says, be careful. Be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Because time is fleeting. We've learned that. I've learned that. We must make the best use of our time. Too many today are wasting both their time and their resources in life by failing to exercise wisdom. I get it. The world is broken. We all see that. We all feel that. We all face that. But Jesus came to be a model. What we'll study and what we'll learn in this great book in these weeks is that Jesus is the wisdom of God. How best for the Lord Almighty to come and redeem his creation, to become part of its creation. That's wisdom. How best for the Lord, the God, the creator of the universe to reach into my heart, into your heart by becoming a baby. We've experienced the incarnation and that's the ultimate wisdom of God, isn't it? How else could he do it? That's the perfect way to do it. But Jesus came to be a model for us and to be a partner with us in living a holy life, a life that's set apart, a life that honors God. And that's what I want to do in 2024. How about you? There's a well-respected author and pastor in the Church of Christ movement. His name is Homer Haley. He wrote this about wisdom. Wisdom is insight into the underlying causes and significance or consequences of things, which insights enables one to apply to the best end the knowledge which he has. Wisdom helps us apply the knowledge that we have. To apply it is action. We can know a lot of things, but can we apply those things? Can we 
can we put that knowledge into a useful, significant, impactful end, as Homer Haley has said. We gain knowledge by learning and living every year, every day, but we apply that knowledge as an expression of our own wisdom. In these next seven Sundays, I want to take a brief survey of just the topics, the things that come up in the books, uh, the, the book of Proverbs. It's a magnificent work. It's, a, it's actually the gathering of sayings and wisdom. A proverb usually refers to a short creative statement that will impart some sort of understanding or a lesson. It's, the Proverbs are full of these little gems. Let me give you a hypothetical to start. You're at work, you're working your job, you're trying to do the best you can, your boss comes in and accuses you of stealing something and doing something very, very bad. And he gets right in your face and he's yelling at you and he's convicted you, he's got you, uh, you know, dead to rights and this is a surprise. How do you respond? How do you respond? I think there's a couple different ways that we might respond, right? We can viciously and passionately defend ourselves and match his energy and we'll get right after him and say, no, you're wrong and I'll show you exactly why you're wrong. And in fact, while I'm at it, I'm going to cut you down too and I'm going to go right after this guy just like he did me. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Well, that's one option. You could just run away. You could say, okay, fine, you're, I, I quit. You're done, fired, out the door. Never say a word. Is that the wise thing to do? Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I use this in my parenting skills. Our girls would have a conflict. Whoop, a little fire would start to, to brew. Imagine that, kids in a family. I said, girls, listen, you've got a fire. You've got a conflict going here. You got two buckets. You got a bucket of water. You got a bucket of gasoline. Which one are you going to throw? That's it. The gentle word can hush and can quiet that anger. Or you could blow all of, yours, all of it up, right? With that harsh word that would stir everything up. This is wisdom. This is wisdom in the heat of that exact moment, how you would handle that situation. How would you handle that situation? What might you say? How might you act? Let's move together through the next seven weeks seeking this type of wisdom. Seeking the right thing to do at the right time for the right reason. Because we're learning together how to live in God's kingdom the way God ordained it. To live the way God would want us to live. Because he knows how this world works. Do you know how this world works? Yes, we do know parts and pieces of how this world works. But how we navigate that is wisdom. And I want to seek that with you in these several weeks. Much of this book is written or gathered by King Solomon. We'll read that here. And if you actually could just open your Bibles or turn on your Bibles, as we say sometimes, turn on your Bible, almost to the exact center. You'll almost find Proverbs in the center of the Bible. And let's just start by reading the first six or so verses together. Read it in your mind here as I, as I do it out loud. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning 
and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. It's a beautiful start. And I think it outlines the purpose of why this book was assembled. The purpose of the Proverbs. Why did King Solomon do this? Well, let's just go down through it on your handout there. You'll see several. First, right there in verse 2, you're going to see, oh, I'm revealing it all at once. Oh, my goodness. Fire hose. Here we go. Thought maybe I'd be able to get them one at a time. Oh, rats. All right. So, to gain wisdom and understanding, verse number 2. You just saved yourself 15 minutes of this sermon. There you go. What a bargain. (laughs) The wisdom of God. You can study this later and figure it all out, right? To learn to do what's right and just and fair. To give knowledge and discretion to the young people. My goodness. Heaven knows they need that to increase your learning. Even if if you're a wise person, you can still increase your learning. You You can still gain guidance in your discerning of life. And then in verse 6, we gain the understanding of Proverbs and parables. I love that part. Jesus spoke a lot in parables. And it was a, it was a teaching technique to engage people. And they had to, you know, you remember Jesus saying things, and you're like, what does this mean exactly? Like, how do I fit these puzzle pieces together? And the riddles of the wise, those are great teaching techniques in the ways that Solomon assembled. That, like, 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 give me, let me give you an example. Maybe, maybe some of you fathers would yell this up the stairs to your children on a Sunday morning. As the door turns on its hinges, so the sluggard turns on his bed. You're like, okay, Dad, whatever. What does this mean? It's Proverbs 26, 14. And the way I see this, it's an image. It's a metaphor. It's a riddle. It's a, it's a parable. You see a door turns, but it doesn't go anywhere, right? The door is, is hinged. You open the door or turn it on its hinge. You don't do anything. Guess what, lazy boy? Get up out of your bed because you're not doing anything, right? That's what. Now, he, he could have just used the words, don't be lazy, but he doesn't say that. He says it this creative, wonderful way that you'll probably always remember Remember that, dads, when you're late for church and your kids are, right? These colorful images that get under our skin. Um, another great one. I love this. This one this is a little bit more serious, but I've, I've heard this and I love it. Without oxen, the stable stays clean, but you need a strong ox for a large harvest. And in our community, I would believe people would really be able to relate to this because if I prioritized the cleanliness of my barn, the, the cleanliness of my stable, over the harvest, I'm in a lot of trouble. Because it doesn't matter how clean my barn is if I don't have a harvest. Does that make sense to everybody here? Like, okay, like we, we walk around here and say, man, there's stains all over this carpet. This, this carpet is beat down, honey. Like, some people notice that about here. You know what? Proverbs 14.4 says, hey, it's a busy place. Of course we want the church to look like it's used and well-loved, right? Now, again, there's a limit to that. Some of you are going, no, not another 30 years with this blue carpet. But I'm okay with that. It's okay that these, these pews, Matt and I, he's not here. I can talk about him. They're like, look how beat these things up there. They're just scuffed and terrible. Like, like what are we going to do? 
It's okay. The harvest here and the people who have sat for years in these great pews, that's the work of God. And so, yeah, we could have an immaculate, beautiful, spotless, dust-free, you know, whatever. Not if we're going to minister to people. People track in dust and dirt. It's okay. We'll vacuum it up. We'll, we'll replace the carpet every so often. Maybe 2024 could be the time when we... I digress. But the purpose of the book of Proverbs is to help us navigate life and to apply God's wisdom, apply these sayings and concepts to living the way he wants us to live, to love the way he wants us to love. And so we read these first six verses, we get a great context as to why this book is part of the canon, part of the Bible. It's very valuable. It's wisdom. But the pathway and the crux of this entire book is actually in verse 7. And so now I want to spend some significant time there. And it reads like this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's it. If you could put a thesis statement on the book of Proverbs, this is it. That's it. And we're going to continually go back to this. But there's three words I think I want to kind of highlight here. Three words in this, especially the first part of it. I want to talk about the fear. I want to talk about the Lord. And I want to talk about that wisdom and, and, and understanding. And so I want to do it a little bit out of order too. So let's start with the, the Lord. Some of your Bibles... If you have a hard copy of the Bible, maybe even in your, in your digital versions, all of the letters of this word are actually capitalized. Did you notice that? Take a look. It's all capital letters. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And everywhere you see this, often in the Proverbs and the Psalms, that is a specific reference to a Hebrew word. That's how it's going to be translated, Yahweh. Some of you have heard that before. That's a name of God, and it's a great story. The word Yahweh. It's actually God's name. Like when Moses was in the desert, God approaches him through the burning bush. You heard this story. He's like, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to do this. I, I, I think he got the wrong guy. And finally, he's just coming up with every excuse that he could find, right? And, and finally he says, all right, okay, when I go, who should I tell him sent me? Like, what, what, what's your name? And God translates and he says, I am. I am that I am. Tell him. Tell them Yahweh, Yahweh, that's that Hebrew word, I am. Tell them, I sent you. Wow, that's awesome. The Lord said to Moses, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, but they ask me, what's his name? And what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am, Yahweh. This is what you're able to say. I am has sent me to you. That's awesome. I am not going to be able to reveal those in steps either. So there you go. We want you to understand what this means. Yahweh, God, our Lord, is actually self-existent. That's what that word Yahweh, that's what that concept means. Like, I didn't create God. God was not ever created. God is self-existent. He always was, he always is, and he always will be. He's the creator and sustainer of everything, in, including you and me, right? We get these deep theological foundational principles. That's Yahweh. That's God. That's our Lord. And that's the Lord that we're fearing. And this Lord is actually unchangeable also, immutable, sometimes we say. 
And I want you to understand and think about that that's who we're singing to. Christ, be magnified. Lord, be magnified in my life at the altar of my heart. Everything that I do, everywhere I go, everything about me honors God, the Lord. Moment by moment, minute by minute, second by second, breath by breath. That's the Lord. And so the fear of that is the beginning of our understanding. That makes sense? So what does it mean for us to fear him? This is a difficult concept for us in the West. It's a difficult concept. The word there that's translated in your Bible, again, Yahweh, how about this? It's the word yira, yira. And it is used several times in the Bible, wherever most often you see an angel often saying, don't fear, don't yira. That's like, that refers to it as terror and dread and like horror and being afraid of God. Like, oh. And you know what? That's part of it. But it often, most often, also refers to reverence and awe and worship of this God who is self-existent, who is the creator of everything, who is above me. So don't fear, fear. (laughs) It's a multifaceted word. And now let me get you this straight. Commentators will tell you that you should year a God if you're guilty. Yeah, yeah, you probably better fear God if you're guilty. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's a healthy fear because I'm guilty. And I know I've felt that, perhaps you have too. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I forgive you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Yura. And I'm, I'm in awe and reverence of God, the Lord. That's that concept. In fact, we're going to unpack that even more. There's plenty of Proverbs that speak of how we relate to God. That's kind of what we're talking about here. The way we relate to God and reverence and awe and trust and confidence and, 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 and this wonderful fear is the beginning of our understanding. Does that make sense? Well, this healthy fear, I want you to know, when we foster it, when we develop it, when we work on it, when we discipline ourselves to understand this, we don't run away from God. We actually want to run to God. I run to the Father. I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding. No reason to wait, right? as the wonderful song states. We don't run away from God in this fear. We actually run to him. Here I am, send me. That's a fear, but it's a willingness. And it's a beautiful picture for you to understand the fear of the Lord. I fear you, God, because you're not like me. I fear you, God, because you're bigger than me. I fear you, God, because you love me. I want to please you as a part of my fear. Does that make sense? It's great. How about this understanding? This is what we've been talking about, right? So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of this understanding. And an aspect of this that's really cool is that I want you to understand the relationship that you have with God. That's part of this. So if I can get this straight, I can understand this dynamic, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding everything. It's a filter. It's a set of glasses. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lens that we see everything through. That's understanding. The fear of the Lord is this understanding. But there's two sides to this verse, right? We've talked about this part. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding, of knowledge, of wisdom. 
Read the second part, right? Here's the contrast. But fools despise this wisdom and this instruction. Oh, this is great. This is classic. Because we're going to see this all throughout the book of Proverbs. There's, a cloud, there's, there's this contrast. Like, if this, then this. If this, then this. It's a contrast. Wisdom is rooted in the fear of God. But fools are going to despise those things. Back to, my, back to my parenting skills, back to my days. Wendy and I used to try to discern when a, when a little girl would do something, whether it was childish or foolish. You catch this? Oops, mom, I spilt my milk. Oh, honey, what'd you do? Sorry. Be careful. That's childish, right? Whoops, I had an accident. That's childish. Be careful. Don't do it next time. When she grabs that dish, she grabbed that cup of milk, and she looked at me, and she just dumped it out on purpose? Now, wait a minute. That's foolish. Right? You see the difference? Whoops, childish. Foolish. That's a willing choice. And this fool who despises this wisdom of God is making an active choice. Just like you and I who are going to fear God are actively making a choice to humble ourselves and to ask God for wisdom. So I want you to get that here. It's very, very crucial because the book of Proverbs often sets up these contrasts. Um, another, another wonderful verse is actually, let's go Psalm 14.1. It says, the fool says in his heart, there's no God. They're corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There's no one who does good who's a fool, right? The fool is saying, there is no God. I don't fear him because he's not there. And then, guess what we do? And we watch this every day, don't we? They put something in that spot. Some people just put themselves in that spot. So I'm going to do, it's all about me, and I want to be happy, and I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to be what I want to be, and I'm going to do this. It's all about me. Some people, it's about money. Some people, it's about power. Some people, it's about plug in whatever God you want, but you're not putting God in that spot. You're choosing to be foolish. And I want you to see here that foolishness is actually the opposite of wisdom, and that the absence of this fear of God is going to lead you down a path that is not real good. And we've seen it, right? We know it. We live in a time of moral and spiritual confusion in our world. And it's playing out right in front of our eyes. People are not living with a fear of God. They're living with a love of self and a foolishness. But I want you to be different. God has come that we might be free from all of that. Let's be different together. Let's be weirdos for Jesus. There's a great verse that just popped in my head. It probably popped in yours too. Because the wisdom of God is foolishness to this world. And so I'll be a fool. I'll be a fool. I'll be a fool for God. Right? That's the craziness that the world claims that we, that we display. Let's be counterculture. Let's foster in our homes, in our workplaces, in our own hearts, a fear of God, a healthy awe and reverence of him, and begin this quest to continually gain wisdom every day, in every way. Or, how about this? This is great. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen says, Folly, which is the acts of the fool, by the way, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. Ah, this is not the message to start talking about parenting. We're not going to parse those, uh, all those words for you. But I do want you to see that our fallen nature 
has an e- evidence of foolishness in it. That's part of the deal. And so we as children either learn or we don't. And so I don't want to define what the rod is for you and what it was in your life. The rod is simply how we discovered the fear of God. It doesn't mean it was physical. It doesn't mean anything specific. But discipline does drive out that folly from our hearts if we choose to submit to it. And so it's a beautiful picture here that Proverbs lays out for us the way to live in God's kingdom. By nature, we're going to reject God unless something intervenes, unless something intervenes. But God revealed himself, and that was the intervention. We can know God personally, which is the beginning of us understanding ourselves and him and the world. It's beautiful. We live in a dark time that needs this kind of light. And this book is designed to be read over and over and over and over. Some of you, and I want to introduce some of you who may not have heard of this, but it's a very common practice. I want to challenge you. I want you to join me in this trek, in this quest. There's 31 chapters. There's about 30 or 31 days in a month. Here's what I want you to do starting tomorrow. I want you to simply read the chapter of Proverbs that corresponds with the day of the calendar month that it is. Just read it. Just let it soak in. Let it permeate. If there's one thing, maybe have a little journal next to it, say, oh my goodness, that is really cool. Or, oh my word, oh Lord. <laughs> that, that, that caught me. But watch this. We're going to try to do that two months in a row. So January and February, we've got 30 days. Okay, 28 days. I'll have to do a little extra reading, but you'll get it, right? Every day, soak yourself. Bathe your mind. Read this chapter. It's not going to take very long. That's not the point. The point is sitting down during some part of your day and finding the moment to read and to study and to let God reach down. Because guess what's going to happen? This is what has happened to me in the past. You read it, 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 you read it. It soaks in, soaks in, soaks into the grain of who you are, right? And then all of a sudden, that situation comes and you go, oh, this is what I got to do. And you're like, oh, How did I know how to do that? I know it because I soaked in it and God taught me. The other thing that's kind of neat, I've joked about it, we have actually set up a church profile on the YouVersion app. If you're using the YouVersion app, it's very popular out there. It is a wonderful tool and you could join our church. And I actually uh, borrowed it from another church, but we have a reading plan on your Bible if you use it on a phone. You don't have to do that. We don't want everybody to get the app, and you don't have to mess with that. But if you're there, you could join our community online, and you could follow along each of the days. There's ways to comment, to encourage people, to interact a little bit around this content if you want, and you're using it that way. Please feel free. But we are so blessed to be together on this journey together. I would offer to you, as you read your chapter of Proverbs, to just offer this type of simple prayer. God, Help me to know you as Lord, to fear you with reverence and awe and respect, and to live with a better understanding who I am, who you are, and what happens in this world. Just your version of that prayer, God, help me to know you as Lord, to fear you, and to do what you want me to do. What a prayer. I know God is faithful. Jesus is the wisdom of God. 
Encouragers United podcast is a joint ministry effort with the Walnut Creek Mennonite Church here in beautiful Holmes County, Ohio. If you live in the area or are visiting the heart of Ohio Amish country, we invite you to visit our church. We welcome you to visit and share a Sunday worshiping with us each week at 10 a.m. We offer a warm and welcoming environment where you can feel at peace and hopefully connect with God. Walnut Creek Mennonite Church is a member of the Evangelical Anabaptist Network. We seek to blend the foundational traditions of the past with an exciting vision for the future. Walnut Creek Mennonite Church, God-ordained, Christ-centered, and Spirit-led. Learn more about us at our website, wcmenn.org. Thank you.